Hello? Hello? Who is this? Tell me your name, I'll tell you mine. <laughs> I don't think so. What's that noise? Popcorn. You're making popcorn? Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at. playing a deadly game. It all began with a scream over 911. Someone who's seen one too many scary movies. Now, he's taken his love of fear. Hello? Hello, Sydney. One step too far. Do you like scary movies? What's the point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act. She's always running up the stairs and she should be going out the front door. It's insulting. There are certain rules. That one must abide by in order to successfully survive a scary movie. Number one, you can never have sex. Never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. Get another beer, you want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. The police are always on track. If they watch Palm Night, they save time. He just kills by them. Don't answer the phone. Don't open the door. Don't try to hide. Everybody's a suspect. Yeah. That's scary. Squeeze. Hello, spooky trailer. Spooky, spooky, spooky trailer. Welcome back to the show, Welcome everybody. Back to the show. My name is Pete, and I'm Scott, and, and these are, are the movies, movies that, that made, made us gay. gay. Pete, yes, we have a listener request this week. <gasps> a listener, we have listeners. We have listeners. What? So, Twitter user Team Fury eighty eight messaged us okay. to do Scream. Wow. And Scream was on our docket, so we just yes, sort of bumped it, it up. Was. We'd always intended to do a Scream episode. Indeed. So we invited Movies That Made Us Gay All-Star, Tim Murdoch back Yay. to talk about Scream. Thanks for having me. Happy to be an All-Star. Welcome back to the show. It's been long enough. It's been... Uh, do you know, Tim, you were our first guest. <gasps> It was like what? episode four or five or something. You were our first guest. Wow. Poltergeist 3? Poltergeist 3. Yeah. <laughs> and I I think that this movie is a little, it's just a little better than Poltergeist 3. <laughs> Slightly. I agree. 100%. <laughs> so yeah, so we watched Scream, directed by legend Wes Craven, written by Kevin Williamson, came out December 18th, 18th 1996. Wow. Such an interesting release date because you don't think of this as like Christmas programming for teenagers, <laughs> but that was kind of the idea of it. So parents would go see like the I English patient. Times. You saw it five times in the theater? Oh my God. That's amazing. Parents would go see like the English patient or Jerry Maguire and teens would just go and watch Scream down the hall. What was it rated? R. Well. Or, or snuck in to go see Scream. Yeah. Tim, what was your memory of first seeing Scream on the big screen? Um, I saw it with a sold-out audience, and I remember the beginning scene 
the you know the classic Drew Barrymore scream yeah. scream scene. Um, I I was nervous because I didn't want people to copycat that, that scene. I I was genuinely scared that people would do that. So that that opening scene, wonderful, scary. I loved it. Iconic. I love the score. Yes. The rest of the movie is great, too. But that opening <laughs> scene is, I think, what made people want to see it again and again and again and again. Oh, it's the key to the movie's success is the opening 10 minutes of this movie. I agree. And that wig. Yeah. Iconic. <laughs> so I remember this movie was a big deal when it came out in theaters. And I could not see this in the theater because I was a little too young. Yeah. But I remember my sister, Nicole, went to this with my stepfather and just both of them just loving it and just coming yeah. home and just saying, oh, my gosh, this movie was so good. And my stepdad, Don, I mean, kind of you wouldn't really peg him to be a fan of this movie. But I remember he said that he really liked it and he yeah. just thought that it was just super clever. He did not see the direction the movie was going and was generally like kind of shocked by the ending of it. Yeah. So I just remember being so excited for it. And I had to wait until... Probably summer of 97 when this came out on video to rent it. Sure. Pete. Uh, I saw it in the theater. And um, I remember one of the friends that I was with on the way out mentioned something about the killer being Skeet. She said, I was surprised that it was Skeet. And we were like on the sidewalk in front of the movie theater and somebody who was buying a ticket heard it. Like straight up Homer Simpson and was Empire just, Strikes Back style. Yeah. And was just like, wow, thanks for ruining it. And I was just like, who the hell is Skeet? Like, I had seen the movie, but I was like, Skeet. Oh, okay. That, oh, all right. I didn't, I mean, he wasn't that famous at the time. Was this after, uh, after the Witchy Poo movie, uh, The Craft? I think that they came out I think the craft came out in summer of 96 and this came out in December. Right. And he wasn't like the breakout star of either yeah. of those movies. So I feel like her saying skeet wasn't really that big of like a gag to the people in line, but the one guy was just like, "Wow, thanks for ruining." I mean, I would be super pissed if that happened to me. <laughs> would you have known who Skeet was? Of course. If, okay, so you were that big of a because craft I, fan? Because I would have been that big of a craft fan. Oh, my goodness And gracious. I want to say that Skeet was... I think that he just did a Paul Schrader movie. Oh, I think. well, in that case. Um, I did not say it. I would like everybody to know. I did not ruin it for the person uh, in line. But, yeah, I was like, let's get out of here. But, yeah, I saw it in the theater. Uh, I enjoyed the first scene of the movie, but all you heard... On, you know, and I was the kid who, you know, watched a lot of, like, Entertainment Tonight. I always have to, hum, I always have to hum that theme song. Um, and all on all the, you know, entertainment news magazine programs of the day, they were just, like, comparing Drew Barrymore, you know, to Janet Lee and Psycho. Everything you got was like, this is exactly like Janet Lee in Psycho, and this is her like Janet Lee moment, and this the first you know scene of the movie is very reminiscent of Psycho. And at the time when I watched it, I was like, I was a, a big fan of Psycho, and was just like, 
I don't know if I'd go that far. I liked it, but I just didn't really see the two, like the correlation between the two. Do you remember that, Tim, at the time? People just really referencing Psycho, he, especially like, in that um, scene? They, they they had like Drew Barrymore on the poster. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they killed her off in the first 10 minutes yeah. that was shocking. Yeah. It was a gag. Like, no. Yeah. So I didn't, I was like, if they kill off Drew Barrymore, wh- you know, what? Is I just it was yeah. so shocking. Yeah, anything goes. Uh, I feel like I probably saw it late enough in the run that I knew that she was going to get the chop. Yeah, I think scene. that was the same with me because I think that my sister may have told me that, and yeah. I also remember my sister telling me, sort of out of context, that a girl dies in a garage door opener, and I was just like, uh. no way. <laughs> a garage door open, go, trying to fit through a kitty door. Yeah, which made me want to watch the movie even more. Yes, that that that's an amazing death. Uh, we have to talk about Rose McGowan. Um, Pete, this is the fourth appearance from Drew Barrymore on our podcast. Can you name the other Drew movies that we've done? We've we've this is our fourth Drew Barrymore movie that we've reviewed. Uh, so I'm, I know we did uh, Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. Yeah, with Lola. Uh, we did Never Been Kissed. Never Been Kissed with Jessica and Amy, yep. So that's one, two, three. Josie Grossi. So there's one more Drew Barrymore movie. Two more. Two. So this, this is the fourth. There's two more movies. Poison Ivy. Very good, Tim. We did we did Poison Ivy with Michael. Yeah. And then Scream is four. Well, I mean, uh, excuse me, this is the fifth movie because there's Thank one you. more then. We, I, I meant that we had done four previously. Mm. Poison Ivy. Ah, which I love. And then the last Drew Barrymore movie that this, we did. This one you don't really think of a Drew Barrymore movie when you watch it, but she's in it though. Oh, She okay. did it the year before this came out. Oh, good gravy. So it's ninety five, a 1995 movie. We're going to be here a while. Yeah. I'll give you a hint. Bat nipples. I have no idea. Oh, she's in Batman oh. uh, Forever. Yep. She's, spi- she's, or, she's sugar. sugar. She's sugar. Sugar and spice. I love it. That was a really good costume that she wore in that in that scene. Yeah, and this was just kind of the period that Drew was starting to get out of that rut that she got herself in in the early 90s. So she was just sort of getting out of the made-for-TV movies. She had just done Boys on the Side. And this was kind of a big career comeback for her. Like, everything after this point of her filmography is different. Yeah. This brought her back on the A-list. So, yeah, so Drew is kind of working herself out of, like, uh, B-movie jail, right? Mm-hmm. And um, this is kind of – it's a big vehicle for her, but it's still a very supporting Yes, role. and I believe that when she first became involved, um, she was pretty much just offered, you can have any role that you want, I'm a, but we're assuming that you want the role of Sydney. And I think that it was scheduling issues or something because she had just been – because I think that she was doing a movie with Woody Allen, but she was only available for a very specific amount of time. Sure. So she was just like, I want the role of Casey because okay. that's, that's the role that really made me want to do the script. Like it's kind of the best role of the whole movie. I didn't even know it was a wig. So when I mean, <laughs> like when I just saw it at the um, drive-in, Matt said, oh, look at God, look at that wig. And I was like, that's not a wig. <laughs> that, that is her yeah, hair. That's growing out of her head. Yeah, I believed it all these years. <laughs> Target audience. I mean, Drew did wa- rock the platinum blonde. She did. That around was, this time. That was her so, color. She always had that color. You weren't too far in. off. Yeah, yeah. 
So kind of giving a little background on the movie, I need to name this a segment. I haven't thought of one yet. Listeners, if you can think of anything when I give the background of a movie, write in, because I would like to hear it. Um, Kevin Williamson wrote the screenplay in the early to mid-90s, and he wrote this and Teaching Mrs. Tingle at the same time. Did you know that? No. And he kind of thought Teaching Mrs. Tingle would be the one that got sold and made first, but it ended up being Scream. So what I found out today, that it was inspired by the Gainesville Ripper in Georgia when he was writing this movie. I did not know that. So these are real killings that happened? Well, I mean, it was just sort of based on a serial killer that would murder young people. Okay. But just kind of a very, um, just kind of the shocking serial murderer around the early 90s. So originally titled Scary Movie before the Weinsteins bought the script in June of 1995, many studios passed on the movie saying that it was too violent to be commercial, but it did end up causing a bidding war with multiple studios wanting it, and it landed in the laps of the Weinsteins at Miramax and Dimension Films, that I believe Bob Weinstein was in charge of Dimension at the time. So Craven read the script before he became involved in production and thought he'd have to convince studios to possibly direct it. However, at the time when he read the script, he had found out that it had already been sold to Miramax, and Bob Weinstein, in charge of Dimension, ended up approaching Craven in the early stages is because he felt Craven's previous work in the genre that combined horror and comedy would make for the perfect person to bring Williamson's script to the screen. He had just done New Nightmare, which kind of tackles similar tones, so it's a perfect fit. And I feel like it's Craven's approach to this movie that it never goes in a misogynist direction. I think that there is just some really great feminist elements of this movie that i think or i think possibly Wes craven fleshed all of those out would you guys agree i mean i think the sequels kind of go in a bit of a misogynistic direction but they um, fly off the rails a little bit yeah but the the women in in this movie kind of save the day at the end and they're not really that uh, i mean they comment on all of it the whole idea of this movie is how like meta it is right and how they're commenting on horror movie tropes and the damsel in distress and the final girl and all that so it's it's very much a part of the story that they're telling that these women are yeah they follow they follow the rules for sure yeah i mean they have like gail weathers is new i mean she's a new element but the rose mcgowan part she definitely you know does all the tropes that they usually do yeah of like this, like the sexy kind of promiscuous girl, kind of a thing. Yeah, with the big cans. But what uh, an important thing that you just kind of glossed over, Scott, and um, we all, well, the three of us might be fully aware. Well, I of figured this. that we would we would circle back to it if you if I know it. You're talking about well, uh, well, I think the three of us are fully aware of this. Many of our viewers might not be, or listeners might not be, is that the original title of this movie was Scary Movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think that they began shooting it under Scary Movie. That's too, kind of amazing. And they changed it mid-production. Yeah. I think that's I like a, both titles. I do. I like both they titles. They both would have worked. Yeah. I think I, it's a little too much like wink, wink, we know what we're doing here. You know? I think naming it Scream and not naming it Scary Movie kind of gives it at least a little bit more of like... You know, it's 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 a horror movie. It's a slasher, and then you watch it, and you're like, "Oh, okay, this this is a slasher that knows what it's talking about and that is in on it." I think if you went into it being called scary movie, you would almost expect 
it to be a little bit more um, self-aware, even though Scary Movie was really the first of its you know genre of those horrible spoof movies to have the word movie. In the title. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. No, I love Scary Movie and the Wayans Brothers franchise, but like everything after epic that, movie. epic movie, and like all uh, date movie, all oh. that stuff, those are. Oh, utter garbage. Trash. Trash. <laughs> yeah, what I think is really interesting about Scream is that it manages to have a poker face of its setup and execution that I feel like it kind of goes off the rails in the sequels a little bit. This movie really knows how to play that it's commenting on the genre, but it's still playing like it's a straight-up movie, too. Like, it finds this fun balance with it. Like I said, it's super uh, self-aware, but at the same time, it never breaks the fourth wall. And it never goes into that, uh, you know, spoof territory that a takeoff, you know, uh, uh, Wayne's Brothers or something Mm -hmm. like that would. Um, It's still fully a horror movie. It's a slasher movie at heart. It just happens to be about people obsessed with horror movies. And also a slasher that's very character driven. And the backstory kind of matters in it, too. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that gets explained a Sydney's lot more. Sydney's mother. Oh my goodness, Sydney's mother. The oh, whole we'll situation with Sydney's mother and the sequels and all that. I feel like we just have to kind of. Sure. <laughs> I don't even know what we have to do with that, but we'll eventually get to the sequels. But for right now, we'll just look at this first movie. I have to say, for Kevin Williamson, this movie is subtle. Yes, because he is he lays it on so thick in like later stuff and especially his TV work where I feel like in this movie, it's like the characters are a little bit more defined as far as like their voices sound unique to the characters. Whereas, you know, when you're watching Dawson's Creek, everybody sounds like one author, you know, one like middle school girl wrote it. And every character is just saying Absolutely. these lines that are interchangeable. But in this movie, you know, um, what is Rose McGowan's character's name? Tatum. Tatum. Uh, I feel like Tatum's lines are very specific to Tatum. Sydney, you know, these characters are are they're there. And in a in a franchise that went on to four and now five movies, these characters are fully defined at the very beginning. Yeah, and that's really that's really strong you know, for the script. Mm-hmm. And, and like, okay, so I was out of high school for seven months when the movie came out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone I thought felt a million years older than me. Yeah. Like, especially the guys, they all seem yes. like to be pushing 30. And I think they were. <laughs> yes. I feel like Matthew Lillard was for sure. Probably almost 30 late twenties, like yeah. 27 or so. Um, Jamie Kennedy as well. I feel like Jamie Kennedy, they're all significantly older than us. And, me and you, Tim, are graduated the same year. So, yeah, um, I, I think, agree. I think Nev was probably about 22 when they got her. Yeah. I think I think Rose and Drew were probably the youngest mm-hmm. yeah. in the cast. Were you familiar with Rose McGowan, Tim, when you saw this? Or was she like a revelation to you? That, that was, I think, the first movie I've saw her in. I think... Wh- do you guys remember the movie Phantoms? Did that come after? Of course. That uh, was I after. Think that, well, I think Phantoms came out probably in 97, but probably yeah. shot back to back, too. Yeah. I that That's a whole, whole different story, but yeah. that was, <laughs> I guess, my introduction to Rose McGowan. Yeah. Sure. I remember her from the Doom generation and was uh, obsessed with this 
actress who was just this like tiny little person who is just like a little spitfire in the doom generation her character is like this goth industrial chick who's got like this short jet black bob and she's got that white rose mcgowan you know skin and like these red lips and she just has this mouth on her and i saw her in this and she's got blonde hair yeah and i was just like wow that's crazy that that is the same actress like that's range right there. I was really impressed with how she played this character because I thought she was like the funniest character in the movie. I was obsessed with her and her gigantic boobs. She just has a cool, just a cool factor to her too. <laughs> I mean, she's, she's cool because Rose McGowan is cool. I feel like Tatum dressed kind of weird. I don't know what was going on with Tatum's I like wardrobe. The, I like the plaid skirt. I thought that was cute. Yes, the plaid skirt is good. Um, I'm more talking about like the silver like jersey t-shirt Ooh. and like the midriff, the midriff t-shirt, and the pigtails, and, like the pigtails and those crazy pants. Like I was like, what is going on with that? Um, yeah, but Tatum's character is really funny. I love I love the dynamic of her and her and Dewey. Just the fact that they're siblings. Um, I mean, I guess I buy Dewey still living at home, yeah. even though he's a cop. It's probably a thing. That sounds right. Yeah. I mean, he just went to the police. For, he just went to the police academy right after high school. What does he tell they Gail? He was uh, he was twenty four for a whole year. Yes, because she is uh, her demographic is eighteen to twenty four. So should we just kind of go into the opening scene? Yeah, a not? little bit. Yeah, yeah. So I grew up in a house in the country. So kind of this whole living situation and these houses, I lived right down the road. Like I grew up in a big house on a hill, just sort of out in the middle of nowhere, where if you dial 911, they're not going to be there for well over 20 minutes. So I just remember thinking that was kind of cool that this house is just sort of something that was very familiar with me. But I suppose that like people living in the cities – this type of living situation might be just kind of a little weird. Well, meanwhile, I'm watching the movie going, whose house is like that? Who lives in the middle of this cornfield? This is unrealistic. Tim, what, that, that's Ohio. Is that how? Okay. Yeah, I grew up with many of my friends Yeah, living out in the boonies like yeah. that. And I would hate to be left home alone like that. Yeah, I mean, I get on the one hand, I feel like... If I was home alone, I'd think, well, there's nobody for miles, so, like, I don't even have to lock the door. But on the other hand, yeah, what if? And also, my house growing up, there was kind of glass doors on each side of the house, too. So you could totally look in. Yeah. And that's kind of a big, uh, like, way that this movie is shot is people looking in through windows, too. Especially when uh, Casey and Signey are attacked. Yeah, the house that Casey's in, all the doors are just like French doors with glass. It's like that's no, there's no security there. Anybody can just throw anything and waltz right into this house. And they do. And that's what happens. <laughs> and they do. I mean, we this movie, first of all, we just have to say, this movie's 25 years old. So spoiler alert. We're going to be talking about what happens at the end. If you haven't seen Scream in the past 25 years... What the fuck is wrong with you? Pause this and go watch it because my big thing is 
you know, you're watching it at the beginning. You're watching the scene with Casey, and you're just like, how the hell is this guy doing all this shit? How is he, like, tying up the one guy and, like, throwing chairs through windows and all this stuff? And it's like, yeah, he's got this this cell phone from the future that, like, no one had in, in 1996, which is, you know, pretty accurate. But, you know, it had to be a two-man job is what I'm saying, right? Because it's like mm-hmm. she blinks and the boyfriend that's, like, tied to the chair is, like, eviscerated. And it's like, how does one man have the time yeah. to do it? It's real stuff? quick. Yeah. So I guess that they had to compromise with that shot that in the original cut, you saw his entrails and guts a lot more. And the and, and the uh, MPAA wanted to slap it with an NC-17. So they had to so they had to trim down that scene. Damn, it's that still MPAA. super nasty. Yeah. Yeah, it's gross. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty gross. But I mean, that's what's craving for you knows how to do like gory. Yeah. The whole setup too that this character on the phone, you know, is asking her these these like horror movie trivia questions. She's very ch- she's very chatty with the stranger. She is. She's very Well, chatty. she was flirting. She was flirting to start. Yes. He has kind of a sexy voice. I mean, I don't know about that. I always had a problem with the voice actor. I don't have a problem with the voice. I always even, you know, when I was 17 and I watched this, I was just like this sounds like a session voiceover actor. Like he was giving a little too much. Am I alone? Yeah, I mean he's yeah. No, no. I see what you're saying, but that. I it was my first time seeing it, so whatever horror was coming out in 1996 yeah, I just loved it. I bathed in it. I was <laughs> happy it was there. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Also, kind of briefly going on that and just how this movie really reinvented the genre. What was the state of horror in the mid '90s? Bad. Sucked. It was Bad. just like it yeah. was. Like, it was thinner. <laughs> um, the Relic. I think those two Jason came out to- like the uh, same year. Yeah, Jason goes to hell. Oh my lord. Yeah, and there was they were tried a little bit with like um, what was that one with Scott Bakula, Lords of Illusion? Oh Lords sure, of Illusions, yeah. I just the 90s remember were not no not good times for, for yeah not good times for horror movies. A lot of direct to video. Uh, what year was Wes Craven's New Nightmare? Ninety four, I think. Yeah, and and the idea of Wes Craven's New Nightmare on paper, and when you're telling me the idea, it sounds awesome. The execution, though, is like it's so melodramatic. It's laid on pretty heavy. When you watch New Nightmare now, it's it they're laying it on pretty thick. The acting is way over the top. It's just super melodramatic, and it feels dated. You know, I love it, but. I mean, I love it just because it's horror movie related. Yeah, yeah. But um, I didn't like. I don't like movies with kids. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, Miko. All about that kid. Well, like Who Miko Hughes, kids? there is laying it on pretty thick. Yeah, he's not. He's adorable today. Yes, he is. Look him up on Instagram, you guys. <laughs> come on the show, Miko. <laughs> yeah, come on. Come on our yeah. show. Um. Yeah. I, I. I get that, and especially in a horror movie. I mean, they're not. The, the strongest uh, of actors unless you have a really you know special case but and and horror movies need something um, I think scream kind of introduced horror movies 
looking a certain way. Like Definitely. after, like it's kind of like a like a watershed moment or like a definite like mark in horror movie history. In that, from here on out, they looked really slick. Like, and I don't know if that's just how movie making went at the time in the direction they were going in, but like from then on out, these dimension horror movies, you know, Ben Affleck's Phantoms, you know, all those movies with the poster with all the faces on the, the dimension poster, lineup, you know, they just. That's what horror movies became, you know, and everything was a scream. Clone. Yeah, it became, yeah, it became a hot cast, um, looking slick and glossy. It looked like a magazine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the dimension recycled the score in like Halloween H two O, the faculty. But yeah, even just how this movie sounded was yeah. just replicated too. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. horror movies probably made Kevin Williamson like a rich man, right? I mean, well, how I mean, many did he do? Because he did, he did this, and I know what you did last summer within a, a year. Yeah. So probably right when Scream crossed like fifty million dollars at the box office. Yeah. He just like took I know what you did last summer from the bottom drawer of his final cabinet, and it got greenlit over at Columbia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he just like cranked him out at this time. Did the faculty? I think he did a rewrite on H two O. So yeah, this guy lived and breathed the teen horror genre of the late nineties. Yes, and I mean it introduced a lot. Like you said, the actors were all really hot, really sexy looking. The posters were very glossy, but it did introduce this like uh, late nineties, early two thousands horror movie run. Kind of gave us a lot of like really hot boys to look at i mean you know like ryan Phillippe and frank Absolutely. prince jr mm-hmm. and like skeet Ulrich, you know to an extent i mean he's good looking but he's kind of greasy i don't know jared leto and urban legend uh jared leto yeah i love urban legend did you guys do urban legend not yet <laughs> i love urban legend we we talked a lot about it on when we were on keep it weird with ashley and yes. lauren that movie i have a love hate relationship with that movie it's so stupid i love but it it's fun it's fun. But yeah, it's, I it's mean... It's bloody. It is. You're so right. Super I was reading that Rebecca Gayhart read for Tatum. Okay. And they just brought her back for Scream 2 mm-hmm. as one of the sorority girls. Okay. I like that. But, okay. Mm-hmm. If, if we're going to talk... Ellen's wife. Ellen's wife, Portia Durant. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ellen's wife. I forgot. Um, if we're going to talk about the cast, I mean, we have to talk about Nev Campbell. I was. I have. I have so many issues with Nev Campbell. They're good. They're bad. They're all over the place. So I love Nev Campbell. I was mentioning it on our last episode with Blake that Nev Campbell was to me that type of actress. When you're in the closet and you're kind of a kid and a teenager, you just sort of say that you have a crush on an actress. Just and to you s- pick Nev Campbell. And I remember I sort of picked <laughs> Nev Campbell. Yeah, that's a that's a red flag right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, she goes... I said nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she just have... She has to go on our wall of fame of handsome women. God bless her. I love Nev Campbell. We watched that thing on YouTube today, and she looks amazing in 2020. Yeah. She looked great in that, you know, that movie with The Rock where... Skyscraper? She's so good in Skyscraper. She was really good in Skyscraper. She looks good now and i feel like she looks better than she did then and i just felt like in these movies to me she just gave me like a girl i sat behind in social studies but i think that was the idea of the casting with wes craven though 
I guess. Is that I he did want door. a girl next door brunette. And, you know, it was probably the styling because they're like 1995. There was nothing going on. She is in the dowdiest mom jeans, like blank white gap pocket tees with her hair and like a banana clip. Like, what are you going to do? Well, and like, also, since we've all seen Scream so many times and how she like holds her neck constantly, yes. just doing I this. I love that. Yeah. And sighing, she does this like, like every time she like uh, starts a sentence, she does this like this gay gasp situation when she starts talking and it's just, it's a conscious acting choice. So that bugged me. I was obsessed with all those as a kid though. All those little ticks of hers? All the little ticks, I loved them. No, I mean, to me, I think mostly- I get it. Yeah. The biggest sin for me was the styling because just something about that 1995, the look was just like- Gap assistant manager. She's on her way to her shift at the Gap. At, at least Tatum had something, you know. At least Tatum had like pigtails yeah. and like, oh, this is like a football jersey, and like, oh, you can see my nipples. And like, <laughs> like poor Sydney was and just. Courtney Cox looks so good. Oh yeah. my god! And again, okay. So this is. Uh, I feel like Courtney's look might she might have had a couple of. Uh, you know, directives like she might have got there and said, I really want to do this, you know, because you see tabloid news reporters, especially somebody that would be on something like a current affair. Definitely with the hair, you know, and yeah, the the hair is a little over the top. She didn't go as far as uh, as Angie in the what's that movie that Angelina Jolie did where she's a news reporter life or something like it Life or something like it where she had that <laughs> crazy bouffant that like no new on air news reporter would get away with this yeah. platinum blonde hair. But Angie was just like, that's how she's going to look. No. Um, Courtney Cox brought her, you know, brought her down to kind of a, a realistic, you know, tabloid news reporter. You know, I have to backtrack where I said Casey was the best role of the movie. Motherfucking Gail is the best character of the movie. <laughs> I think that she has the best lines. She's I'm, given the most to work with. I'm Gail Hill. And it's just Courtney just selling the shit out of the script. And she's so much fun to watch. I uh, love it. I mean, not to jump too far ahead, but I love her. All her end scenes. I mean. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. She's really so good. Shy. Yeah. Yes. Gail Weathers. Is amazing in this movie. The alternate casting universe for Gail Weathers is interesting. Do you know who read for this role? Tell us. Um, Brooke Shields. No, tell me. Brooke Shields was very close to getting her. it, which I could love totally it. see working. Yeah, I love it. She could have easily like fit into this role and would have been great. And also Janine Garofalo. What is it with Janine Garofalo and Courtney Cox? I love yeah. Yeah, Courtney Cox and Janine Garofalo, like, I don't see them as, like, I mean, they're contemporaries, but I don't see them as, like, going out for the same roles, but... Because famously, the pilot for Friends was written with Janine Garofalo in mind. Yeah, so weird. But, yeah, I, I oh, think fun, that... fun fact, Lisa Welcha was offered a part on Friends, too. Oh, my God, was it Rachel? Do, do you think she read for Rachel? I don't know, but she thought that it was too um, too risque. Racy. Yeah, too racy. She's very Christian. Yeah. I feel like Lisa Welchel at the time, I'm seeing more Monica for her, but I do know that they did have Janine in mind. But um, that's interesting. Blair Warner, she could she could she could have had a second like a second win monster hit in that career. Yeah. Wow, love it. And she would she, never have done Scream. 
No, she would never have done Scream. I but do. What if? What yeah. if there is an alternate dimension right now where Lisa Welchel took Friends and Blair and Tootie had opposing shows on at the same time? Because everybody knows Lisa uh, Living Single is like the superior black version of Friends. I've heard that. <laughs> is, that it, is it on? Is it on Netflix now? It's on is Hulu. Single on Netflix. It's on Hulu. Go watch it. Oh, okay. It's, it's really a great been, show. You have been watching show. a lot of Living Single I've been, lately. I've been watching Living Single on my lunches on Hulu, and it's amazing. I feel like I'll just hear you laughing and then just poke my head into the, into the living room, and you're laughing at something Queen Latifah said. Yes. Uh, it's really good. <laughs> she's not a lesbian. She's not a lesbian. <laughs> just in case anybody out there was thinking, Queen Latifah is not a lesbian, allegedly. That woman, she's just very, <laughs> very good friends with that woman. So, um, Matthew Lillard is in this movie as well. The boys, Stu. the boys in this movie. Okay. I know Matthew Lillard is playing this character and he's playing it up. You just want to punch him in the face, but it's like, is it because he's so good? <laughs> I think it's just, it's just the character. It's the character is yeah. written. Um, I do, like you mentioned, the, bo- the, the, the guys in this movie looked about 30 when we were, went to us when we were kids watching it. High school boys definitely didn't look like Skeet Ulrich when no, I went to school. No. And, um, you know, Stu, no, not Stu. Who was, who was uh, Jamie Kennedy? Jamie Kennedy's like got this job at the video Randy. store. Randy. Randy. Oh, I have a lot of things to say about the character of Randy. That I can relate to. I like Randy in this movie. In the sequel, I feel like he's a little bit of uh, like grandstanding. He's like monologues a little too much in the sequel. But um, I like Randy a lot in this movie. So yeah, I feel like Randy is a very familiar character. If you were a closeted teenager, <laughs> really into movies, you worked at the video store. <laughs> so you. So pretty much just me in high school. Because mm-hmm. I fit the bill of a lot of that. Was Randy a coded gay character? Yeah, <laughs> did he? Did he want? In, did he want in? I mean, on... he had a crush on Nev Campbell. I would say that I had a crush on Nev Campbell. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, he could have just been like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm super into you know Tatum, the the girl with the big cans in my friend group." But he went for he went for he went for, for the Sydney. smart girl. Yep. Um. Yeah. Was he jealous because he knew that you know Stu and uh, and Skeet were. Probably blowing each Rubbing other on the side. Each yep. other in the back. <laughs> Do you subscribe to this theory, Tim? <laughs> Do you subscribe to this theory that that they're, uh, gay? that they're gay, or not that they're I mean, gay, but that yeah, that, sure. yeah, not that they're gay specifically, but that they probably spent enough time together. Experimented. Yes, experimented. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> I buy it. <laughs> Maybe Why one, not? They're killing people. Maybe one of them was more into it than the other. You know, you know how that goes. Right. <laughs> they're just, you know, they're young teenagers, but really they're old men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Playing young teenagers. They look like they're uh they're getting their their post grad from yeah. college. I love it. I mean, but growing up, I don't think I related to any of the characters. I mean, I just really liked I just loved the movie. I loved the score. The, the, I just thought it was so written. It was something I've never seen before. So yeah. I was so into it. Well, especially like, growing up on I think horror I like you. Yeah. Like, especially growing up on horror, it's just so, it just feels so fun and new. And if you're a fan of the genre, like, what more can you ask for for something like that? 
Because you in other horror films, they, they didn't really acknowledge other horror films. So like, oh, I'm scared to walk in the woods. Or like yeah. people didn't say like, or if they did, it was so, so rare. And this movie just really drove it home. Yeah. Which night or which Friday the 13th movie sort of does that with Tony Goldwyn? Part six. So I feel like part words. six kind of like goes into that territory a little bit. Yeah. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, Tony Goldwyn. We young hot yeah. Tony Goldwyn. Oh man, I still he gets he's, he, the, he's the front. He gets killed in the in the Volkswagen in the Beetle. Like they get stuck in the mud. Yeah, uh, it's a great scene. It is a really good scene. He's so cute. I still won't forgive him what he did to Demi and, and, and Patrick, Patrick Swayze. So. Uh he deserved to get to get like dragged off by those evil ghostly spirits. <laughs> any excuse for him to take his shirt off though and like hey like oh you're oh, oh i spilled did. some I spilled, <laughs> I spilled some water on your Don't shirt <laughs> oh ghost i love ghost we gotta do ghost mm-hmm. that'll be one of our halloween movies this year so yeah i think uh just kind of being self-referential um but like and it wasn't just like this is how horror movies work and we're a horror movie and we're going to talk about that but they also like casting henry winkler as the principal and you know casting fonzie as like the high school principal who's like who's just like this hard ass you know against these like delinquent teenagers is like such a specific choice yeah um, things like that. So like every little bit, you know, and just like seeing Linda Blair in there, you she's know, she's one the, of the, yeah. she's one of the tabloid. I be almost brutally butchered. Right. <laughs> I, I clocked that at 17 years old. I knew, I knew Linda Blair. You know why I knew Linda Blair? Yeah, I knew who she was. You know why I knew her, who she was and what she looked like as an adult? Repossessed? Repossessed, bitch. Repossessed? Yes. Yeah. That movie is terrible. <laughs> it's so... Have to watch it lately? Yes, we did. We rented Ooh. it. Uh, it's so bad. Yeah, so I, I clocked Linda Blair from Repossessed, like, all that shit, you know. I feel like us as, like, movie watchers and just, like, super queer kids, like, all those things you kind of pick up on. And it just, I don't know, it just makes you feel like better really or like superior to like everybody else where you're just like hmm, yeah i got that the first time i watched this mm-hmm. <laughs> like do you know what i mean like when you walked out weren't you just like oh fuck yeah that was so cool and i got every reference i just was i mean not to sound like a conservative connie but i was really really afraid that and i guess they actually do it a little bit in the sequel and they say copycat killer yeah i was so afraid that people would copycat what happened to Drew Barrymore? Yeah. Ah, there's a fly in my room. <laughs> <laughs> Kill it. So you thought the whole idea. <laughs> so you thought the whole idea of like a fake out kind of like murder at the beginning of the movie kind of a thing would become like commonplace. I thought it would become a thing. Yeah. I thought it would people would take that and then do it to other teens. Thank sure. God it never happened well i mean yeah. I, I guess we just got columbine though oh geez so i oh, feel like this, oh, this type of this type of movie does <laughs> not on. well this type of movie probably doesn't get made uh post columbine too well with the killers being other teenagers yeah 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 that's what i think that's was so shocking to me it was these two guys stabbing each other oh my yes. gosh. Oh my yeah. gosh yeah the one shocking part even to this day whenever i rewatch the scene where drew where 
Ghostface Killer stabs <laughs> Drew in the chest. Yeah, I think is so yeah. scary. Yeah, because and she looks down at it. She's because just like, she looks down on it me. and she reacts to it like yeah. you would. Yeah. if you if you got stabbed. Yeah. Like, is that kind of one of the first times? Yeah. Is that kind of one of the first times that a a movie character acknowledges the fact that, like, I'm being murdered right now? Like, you get this moment of realism in a slasher movie that I feel like you hadn't really seen before in a movie like that. Sure. Yeah, because prior to that, it's, like, fun. You're, like, at the movies. It's a night out. And then it's, like, it becomes icky. Yeah, and then yeah. like her parents walk into the house and see, and they hear her on the phone. the fire, and they yeah. hear her on the phone, yes. and then it ends with that cut of the mother screaming, the zoom cut to like Drew hanging from the tree. It's like you're not going to get over that. You're never going to get over that moment. Oh yeah, that ruined that ruined that woman's life. That like that mother and that move that character, her life is ruined to this but, day. Kind of like what I was saying before, that I think the strength of this movie was it plays it self-aware, but or it's self-aware, but it plays it for real. That yeah. it, it kind of has that balance. Like they're it. they're like in jokes, not really jokes, but like in jokes in the movie, but it's still it's not a it's not a spoof. It's not yes. a satire. Mm-hmm. It's I mean for all intents and purposes, it's it's satire. It's a satirical movie, but it is a straight horror movie. And you know, we did watch a lot of um, we watched a lot of like Courtney Cox on on Letterman, you know, talking about the movie, selling the movie and stuff. And she mentioned that like it's a slasher, but it's more than that, right? Yeah, it has a lot of things going on for it. Yeah, it's clever. It's yeah, it's just so clever. It's a whodunit. Yeah, yeah, there is a mystery, and you're just kind of, like, trying to figure it out. So we haven't even played any clips from this movie, because... (laughs) But Drew is so good. Yeah. Like, um, let's play a little bit of... Let's play some clips, because I want to hear Drew on the phone with Ghostface Killer. Because I love how he just goes from, like, what's your favorite scary movie? And then he's like, fuck you, bitch. Like... (laughs) I like he goes on a very like Reagan, you know, exorcist kind of like your mother darn sucks in hell. And kind of Drew's emotional range in this role. Very it's good. It's just like damn. Yeah, she's 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 serving it. She's like serving it up in this role. Yeah. Let's see how much we have from uh, from this performance. Might as well just come out here to investigate a strange noise or something. <laughs> Look. <laughs> You've had your fun now, so I think you better just leave or else. Or else what? Or else my boyfriend will be here any second and he'll be pissed when he finds out. I thought you didn't have a boyfriend. I lied. I do have a boyfriend and he'll be here any second, so your ass better be clean. Sure. I swear. He's big and he plays football and he'll kick the shit out of you. I'm getting scared. Shaking in my boots. His name wouldn't be Steve, would it? Ah. How do you know his name? Turn on the patio light again. Ah. I always think of the opening of Scary Movie. Oh Tim, God. do you remember? It's Carmen Electra. And she says he's big he's and he's black and he, black and he plays football and he'll kick the shit of you. I remember just losing it <laughs> yeah. when I first heard that. And it was their prince yeah, like. That, 
That's a great opening. I mean, both films. Yeah, yeah. But what they did with Carmen Electra as as the Drew character is really funny. Uh, we definitely recommend you watching uh, Scary Movie 1, our younger listeners, if we have any. I think all of our listeners are just like... I mean, I feel like Brenda from Scary Movie is just in the gay zeitgeist by now. Brenda from Scary Movie is, like, for lack of a better term, my spirit animal. Like, I feel... <laughs> Brenda's just sort of a combination so, uh, of various Kevin is... Williamson characters yeah. and then throw in some, like, Wayne's Brothers yeah. with it. Well, we're th- at this point, they're commenting on the black gay... On the black girlfriend that these white girls always have. Right. That's just kind of thrown in there to, like, appease, like, audiences. But this girl has no business hanging out with you know cindy yeah they have nothing in common but just for the sake of the movie they're like <laughs> yeah i mean brenda oh god we're gonna be posting there's a lot of like memes and shit that we're gonna be posting on on our instagram account on account of uh scream and scary movie um yeah so that was a little bit of uh of drew and 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 the voice you know as he's credited as this voiceover actor is credited in the in the movies, the I voice. guess that when Wes was directing Drew in these scenes, uh, Drew had showed him a newspaper story of this person torturing and killing dogs, Man. and she was really upset about it. Oh. So he would sort of tell her about that story to get her like sort of over the edge in these scenes. Wow, that yeah, yeah, murdering dogs, murdering is def- dogs. That is definitely not magical. Mm-hmm. That's a, a at all. definitely a. A, a trigger sort of That's thing for a Drew. Trigger for Drew. That so it's not sort magical. of how they got this hysterical performance. So what are this? So I have a question about just. So, I mean, I guess the logic of the movie, which is kind of silly because it's it's a movie suspension of disbelief. But if Billy and Stu would have had their <laughs> ways and killed Sydney at her house, like how would they reveal all of this plan? Would they just be like stab Sydney and just be like, well? I guess we're done. So you're talking about the scene early in the movie, the very first scene where they attack her. Yeah. Well, the the scenes with Sydney where they first attack her at, yeah, at her this, house. The yeah. very first scene where they attack Sydney. Mm-hmm. What if they murdered her right then and there? Would they just be like, well, I guess we're done. We're done. <laughs> Put these knives away. Oh. So it's really Sydney's fault for staying alive. Yeah, that everybody else got murdered. I mean, More frankly, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess that like maybe they just would have knocked her out and tied her up when she came to reveal this whole plan and then kill her. I don't know. How long was her father tied up in the closet? That is a wonderful question. The entire length of the movie? He left in the because f- she. Yeah, he left in like the first twenty minutes. I mean, it works for just a, a red herring. Yeah. Because you kind of... Well, there's multiple red herrings in this movie, including Billy the boyfriend. Yeah. That they kind of do a fake out with, but the dad is one of them. The dad's a big fake out. This whole, like, cloned cell phone business. I mean, I don't even know in 2020, let's say that I want to do some, like, back alley, like, nonsense. And I'm like, I need to get somebody's cell phone cloned so it looks like I'm making calls from their cell phone. How the fuck do you even do that in 2020, much less 1996? I mean, just go with no, it, I guess. I <laughs> sure. Yeah. That is some black market deep web nonsense. Cloning a cell phone? I didn't even get, I didn't even get a cell phone until 2004. Yeah. 
That was, I think I got my first cell phone my senior that was year. Late. 2004 was my late. senior year of high school in 03. Yeah. And I feel like I never used it because uh, you didn't have a lot of minutes and that motherfucker would die after 20 minutes. What are you doing with a cellular telephone, son? Yeah. Everyone's got them. But I feel like in 1996, with audiences going to movies, I don't really think outside of something like Clueless, would you have really seen a movie revolve around cell phones? No, it was definitely a novelty. No. Mm -hmm. And in Clueless, it's almost like a sight gag that they're on cell phones and talking to each other in the hallways, too. Things that were in screen that no longer exist are video stores, flip phones. To, to Nev Campbell called through her um, through nine one one. She called nine one one on that her, on that computer. They were there really fast too. She called nine one one on that computer. I don't know what like uh, internet service provider she had. Prodigy. You know, or whatever, but they and let have... alone this is like a small Californian town that their nine one one operators are hooked up with Wi Fi. Yeah, why are the net? Yeah, I mean, we'll just go with it. Good you, you just have to go with it because I've got a lot to say about that. I could go off on like a fifteen minute tangent about why that wouldn't work. I do but... love the setup and payoff with Sydney's bedroom and the door. The Laverne and Shirley doors, yes. mm-hmm. the, the Laverne and Shirley closet, and like front door that like. Hit each other. Well, and also uh, the setup and payoff. Kevin oh. Williamson had that door. Okay, yeah. I I heard that on the commentary today too. We have that door. Which one? The closet in the bedroom does that with the oh sure the door to the bedroom. Good to know. Yeah, in case of yeah, hide in the bedroom. You can mm-hmm. do the Laverne and Shirley Sydney door. And and they also <laughs> do a setup and payoff of Skeet crawling in through the window. Sure. Which is like Twice. sort of which Twice. is sort of like a Wes Craven visual theme because you see Johnny Depp do that in, in Nightmare. Yes. Did you in get two movies in a row? Did you get that, Tim, when you were watching Nightmare on Elm Street thinking, Oh yeah, he's fully gonna do this in the next movie? Like he's is he referencing himself, Wes Craven, by having this, I think so. I mean, you know? I think he I think Wes Craven also just likes very Americana elements of teenagers too. Sure. And and just in pop culture, teenagers obviously are going to go through their girlfriend's bedroom window. Sure. Nobody has a screen on their window. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there's no screens. Hey. She lives in the country. What does she need screen it for? It was the 90s. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was the 90s. Who have we not talked about yet? Dewey. Are we buying, are we buying David Arquette as, as 24, 25? Sure. I feel <laughs> yeah. like... I, I feel it. like David Arquette was probably around like 25, 26 when he made the movie, too. Okay. So I guess I'd buy it. All right. Probably. I'm glad he lived at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. So how do we feel about Gail being such an asshole to her camera guys and like calling them fat? And like, first of all, that one guy wasn't even that fat. But then like she like redeems herself. How do we feel about this arc of this character? Because is she like past redemption because she's such an asshole? Obviously, she's not because like we love and like stand this character. No, because she redeemed herself because she saved Sydney's life. Yes. Sure. So anything that she did prior is just all is forgiven. Yeah. Slate is wiped clean. <laughs> and I just love a very period specific character of a 
on-camera tabloid journalist that doesn't really exist now. Like, this is the only... This is like a type of reporter that existed in the year 1995 or 96. Yeah. Like, the type of women that you would see on, like, Current Affair Mm -hmm. are... Or, like, hard copy. Yeah. It's just such a... It's just such a fun side character to have as, like, this outside element to the script that I feel like it kind of needs too. Yeah. Her character kind of, you're right. She's not part of the group. She's not part Mm -hmm. of the inner circle. And she has a backstory with Sydney that comes into play and it's important too, because it's it's everything with Sydney's mother and cotton weary and Sydney sent cotton weary to jail (gasps) and they're going to gas him. Oh my God. And kind of Gail was on to these little fuckers from the very beginning too. Okay. Tim, Cotton Weary, yes. Liv Schreiber. Had you seen him or were so you? So hot. Oh, my God. So hot in this movie. Ah, even one scene, he's in like two shots of this movie and you're just like, who is that? They must I have like got- the best in screen three. 100% Cotton. Oh, is he the, he's the, he's the Drew Barrymore character in screen yeah. three. Isn't he? And he has a, he has like yeah. a Ricky Lake type of show called 100% Cotton. Which Kevin Williamson is on. Oh my god. Love it. I mean if you're if your name is Cotton Weary and you get a talk show, you name it hundred percent. And the opening death is Kelly Rutherford from Melrose Place oh, and Gossip fuck. Girl. Oh for too. fuck's sake. Yep. Okay. I were you familiar with with Leah Schreiber at this point? Had you seen Party Girl? He's no. so cute in Party Girl. I saw Party Girl, but I Later. didn't clock that yeah, that's who the, he was. Right. I feel like my maybe it was in the same boat. Like, I know I had seen Party Girl, like, on cable. But, yeah, I don't know if I really put two and two together. But, yeah, definitely he was just – I feel like he's probably, like, the hottest guy in this movie to me and today. Wow. Like, maybe in 2020 it would have been, like, ooh. Or in, in 96 and it's it would have been, just like, the, ooh, And it's just the cutaway of him getting put in the cop car, too. Yeah. I mean, he's Liv Schreiber. He's yeah, hot. They must have cast him knowing that they were going to bring him, like almost being like, okay, you're just going to be a cutaway, but we're going to have you back in less than a year for the sequel. Yeah, for sure. Is he in the fourth one? I don't think so. No, doesn't he get killed in the third one? Yeah, he gets killed in the third one. Yeah, he dies. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, there's so much about this movie that I want that I keep wanting to go to like scary movie or part two or like other things just because this movie begat so much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it just started so much. Like this is just kind of a starting point for horror from here on out. Like everything changed. Do you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. I was so excited when I saw the urban legend preview. I still know what you did last summer. Even the 1998 psycho would not have come out unless it was for Great. Yeah. You're oh, definitely. Absolutely yeah. right. And we're weird, like defenders of the Gus Van Sant Psycho too. <laughs> like we we stand by it. We stand by Anne Hash as Marion Crane. Maybe not so much Vince Vaughn as I, Norman Bates, but we still really like that Psycho though. Yeah, I don't think that would exist unless Scream no. existed. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's right. I never. Yeah, I never even. Did you guys that. know that this was the highest grossing slasher up until the release of Halloween 2018? I found that out today. Wow. That's crazy. And I know that Scream I believe it. and I know that Scream 2 made a lot of money too. Like I think that Scream 2 at the time was one of the highest grossing 
opening weekends for an R-rated movie, like, on the books. So they're all yep. R-rated, all, like yes. all four of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. But they really toned down part three because of Columbine. I know that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were probably filming Not it. And they were uh. probably <laughs> filming it, like, in the kind of the mid-90s when that happened. So yeah. that makes sense. You could totally tell that the third one is toned down. Yes. Blood one. Yeah. yeah, the violence and all that, for sure. It's crazy because so many of the scenes in this in from this one are played out like shot for shot almost in scary movie. Yeah. Like it's such a good template. Like, like you almost misremember lines or something from yeah. scary movie that from, are lifted from this movie. From this. Yeah. Yeah. Because the other ones didn't really follow the formula of Scream 2, Scream 3. They all kind of started to pull from every other horror movie because they just became so much more prolific and bigger in in scope and bigger in um, budget budget and familiarity Mm -hmm. and all that. So they were able to throw in stuff. But Scary Movie is really just... Scream, right? Well, it's screaming. I know what you did last summer, too. Oh, well, yeah. That's another one I know what you did last summer that's just like... <laughs> it really shows how tight of a script yes. Scream is. So we did a rewatch of I Know What You Did Last Summer around the 4th of July, because I Know What You Did Last Summer is just sort of this untraditional 4th of July movie. And when I revisit it, it's a movie that I'm still super entertained by. I think it's well acted by Jennifer Love Hewitt and Sarah Michelle Gellar. I think they're really good in it. But there's something to be said of how tight of a script Kevin Williamson's Scream is that I think it just works so much better. Because when you're watching I Know What You Did Last Summer and then you try to dissect like the killer and you're just trying to connect the dots... And you're just kind of left like, I don't, I don't fucking know. I guess I'll just go with it. But I feel like Scream does a really good job in setting up its backstory and then going from there. And that it very develops of you're going from point A to point B to point C to point D. And then you're at the finale and then you get it all revealed. And it feels very satisfying when you see it all come together. Yeah. Yes, and and when and Courtney Cox does that final report, like she oh, was, so good, and a scene from a scary movie, <laughs> and very well. And when Courtney like cocks that gun, when they go to look for the gun, and she says, "Right here, assholes," and then she says, "The the," so happy. and then she says, "The tabloid journalist that you left for dead in the news van comes to stumbles on you two dipshits." <laughs> and then she's like finds the yeah. gun and saves the day. But and does she save the day? But then but then <laughs> proceeds to uh fire the gun without the with with the safety with on. With the safety on. Oh. Which is such a bummer. Yeah, but you know, ultimately at the end of the day, you know, she, Gail and and Sydney Well, she does shoot Billy. She does yeah. Oh my god, when Sydney comes out of the closet with that umbrella and stabs him in the shoulder. Oh my god. When you mentioned earlier uh, Billy and Stu stabbing each other in the kitchen, that scene is so crazy. And like... It's a great scene, but it's tough to watch. It is. Uh, a, A lesser journalist would comment on the two of these teenage boys penetrating each other 
several mm-hmm. several times over <laughs> in pursuit <Yay>. of their <laughs> gay. <laughs> These but, couple of homos. But, yeah, it doesn't really gloss over the fact that they are stabbing each other. Yeah. Too. That it is turning into a violent ending. Yes. Indeed. And what I think is kind of cool about how Scream rewatches is that it's just kind of a movie that studies toxic masculinity. That these two crybabies just get their ass handed to them yeah. by Sydney. So, am I missing something? And Gale. And Gale, yes. Yeah. Am I missing something, or is Stu just kind of following along? Like, what does he really have to get? He out said. Of this? He said peer pressure. I think he's, yeah, peer pressure. Okay. I guess. So I was reading in the original script. I think today, he's just an asshole. Yeah. So I was reading in the original sure. script today that Kevin's idea was they didn't have a motive, and then when. Kind of they were, yeah. and then when the Weinstein's bought it, they sort of had to make him come up with this motherly abandonment thing with Billy. Sure, and that's when that sort of plot came up, or like that kind of ending reveal. Yeah, came up, which like begat every sequel in this franchise. And we have yet to mention that Billy's mother is played by Aunt Jackie from Roseanne. <laughs> Yeah, too. We stand some Aunt Jackie. We love we love her scenes of that movie. Who pretty- doesn't love Scream too? Laurie <laughs> Metcalf, American Treasure. Her scenes are pretty insane in that movie. That like play. What play is Sydney in in college? It's like a Cassandra Greek yeah. tragedy. <laughs> yes. I love it. She like gets yeah, back I, there. That's really like a that's a good trivia question. I don't know that. Right? Yeah, that is. <laughs> I think it's just Cassandra. I don't sure. know. We we can't talk too much about Scream 2. I know. Because I have a feeling we're probably just going to do a complete <laughs> Scream 2 episode. Yeah, we, we probably will. There's a, there's a lot to unpack in Scream 2. Um, yeah, I feel like this movie, like like I said, there's there's cute boys in it. Like there's fierce, like there's fierce bitches. Oh, like, I know of a, of a clip. Because we, we have mentioned Rose. Yeah. Play the Rose clip. Oh, okay. It's a pretty iconic moment with her. What movie is this from? I spit on your garage. What is the outfit? If Sydney sees it, she'll flip. Oh, you want to play psycho killer? Can I be the helpless victim? Okay, let's see. No, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel. Cut, Casper. That's a wrap. A kind of a good moment of this movie where she's commenting on scary movies. I spit on your garage, like I spit on your grave. Yeah, and like she's just been like, "Oh, okay, Randy, like take off the fucking mask." And then he cuts her on the arm. Yeah, so it it does kind of bring it back to reality of, "Oh shit!" Like what the hell? He just like he just cut her arm, and he's gonna murder her. I do have to say, Rose. Two students ended up dead. Yeah, like in town. What do you that were you like freaked out by this whole garage door situation? Well, it was one of the first big spoilers that I had of this movie. Sure. So then I was thinking of like, oh my gosh, like if I was running away from somebody trying to murder me, and if, could I fit through a cat door? <laughs> I also feel like Rose probably could have fit through that cat door. 
I I also like that she puts up a pretty good fight. She gets a few like good like licks in with them. She like hits him with a beer bottle. Yeah, she started out fearless. She she should have just kept going. That that is a fully stocked fridge. Yeah, I thought for sure you were going to play the um the clip where she says about Richard Gere. <laughs> <laughs> there's only there's only so many times you can hear that Richard Gere gerbil, gerbil story. story until you have to start believing it. <laughs> I do feel like when you rewatch this movie and they're talking to Sydney that her mother has just been murdered a year ago. Yeah, one year. Twelve months. Yeah. Like eleven and a half months ago, her mother was still alive and they're just like, they're like get over Sydney, it. Sydney, get over it. <laughs> Meanwhile, Billy's like, yeah, Can I have know, a blowjob or something? They're like, move on, crybaby. And I also love that Sydney has just been attacked at home, at school. Naturally, she's going to come with them to a house party. It's not like, Sydney, yeah. we have to get you to like a safe house. Yeah. They're heartless. <laughs> but I get it. It's just setting it up as like a teenager movie. Because yeah. obviously you're going to have your climax in a, at a house party. Sure. You've mentioned before uh, about the screenwriting and the house party and elements that they use to get everybody out of the party. And well, like- I guess that it was a note from Bob Weinstein where there was a section of the script. I think it was like 20 pages where nobody died. And he's like, you have to put in a death here. I think it should be the principal. Okay. So they, they kill Henry Winkler. The and then there's a telephone call when they're watching Halloween that – the principal has been hung from the goalie post so and everyone leaves. leaves the house. So it sort of works. And they're drinking and driving. Ah, yeah. They're drinking <laughs> and driving. Maybe they're just like running to the, to the school. No, you see them almost <laughs> run over Gail and Dewey. Oh, okay. But yeah, I, that gets everyone out of the house. So you can just have your principals there yeah. for the climax. Yeah. You know what's crazy about this movie and just how you discover movies upon movies? Yeah. I don't think I had seen Halloween, Halloween before I watched this movie when I was probably sure. 12 or so. Yeah. So this movie made me discover John Carpenter's Halloween. It was the first time I ever heard Prom Night referenced. So then I went back and watched Prom Night. Um, so yeah, so you Terror just, Terror, you know, Terror I've never, Train, I still yeah. haven't seen Terror Train. I still haven't seen Terror Train either. And that they're you on like, they're in like it. clown masks, right? <laughs> they're great. You'll love it. Okay. But yeah, it just made me discover all of this horror as a kid, which is pretty cool too. I remember Halloween just, I don't think I had seen it all the way through, you know, at 17 years old. But what I did know about it was that. Yes, it was as old as me, but it was re- like the reputation was that it's really scary. So I always took Halloween seriously as like this is a scary movie, you know, um, because I know some people feel like movies of a certain age are not scary because they're corny and they're dated and blah, blah, blah. But to me, I, all I remember just kind of knowing in my head about Halloween was that like this is a legitimately scary movie. It did always bother me when they're watching Halloween that the continuity of the time of the movie doesn't quite match up to where the movie (laughs) is. Because fully, like, 45 minutes have passed since um, Jamie Lee Curtis has been walking up to the house across the street. Yeah. And then it ends with Stu getting the TV on his head when she's in the closet. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. But it I was mean, on repeat. It was, <laughs> it was just on repeat. It had started all over again. I was also reading that Wes Craven was almost replaced over location shooting issues because Miramax and the Weinsteins wanted the movie to be shot in Canada and Vancouver, but Wes had to be adamant that this had to be a American shot movie because hmm. he just wanted it to look like just any town USA, and it was shot in Northern California. And I guess the high school... Um, was not about them on that fountain scene. It's because there's no way a girl could have killed him. That is so sexist. The killer could easily be female. Basic instinct. That was an ice pick. Not exactly the same thing. Yeah, Casey and Steve were completely hollowed out. And the fact is, it takes a man to do something like that. Or a man's mentality. How do you gut someone? You take a knife. And you slid him from groin to sternum. Hey, it's called tact, you fuckrag. Hey, Stu, didn't you used to date Casey? Yeah, for like two seconds. Before she dumped him for Steve. I thought you dumped him for me. I did, he's full of shit. And are the police aware that you dated the victim? Hey, what are you saying? That I killed her? It would certainly improve your high school kill. Stu was with me last night, okay? Yeah, it was. Was that before or after? He sliced and diced. Fuck you, nutcase. Where were you last night? Working. Thank you. Oh, at the video store? I thought they fired your sorry ass. Twice. No, I didn't kill anybody. Nobody said you did. Thanks, buddy. Besides, it takes a man to do something like that. I love that moment with Billy and Stu. Of that when you go back and rewatch it and you see how Billy looks at Stu in that moment. Yeah, when you know the outcome, Billy's very much like, shut up. We kill people. <laughs> but yeah, I guess that um, this scene in particular with the local community around Sonoma caused a, like a big controversy with where they would shoot a lot of the local people would write into the newspaper and say, like, how dare these people from Hollywood, they're shooting this, like, vulgar, <laughs> trashy movie. I love that the people in the small town are like, how is this movie going to besmirch our national landmark high school fountain? No one cares. Like, are people... If anything, the movie was huge. Yeah. Was huge yeah. There's going to be, like, photo opportunities at that fountain. Um, you know what's interesting about how this, how this scene is staged? Tell me. Is I feel that just teenage TV of the late 90s just all ended up copying this. Everybody of when in they're, a row? Of when they're sitting, everybody in a row. This is absolutely how they would sit on Dawson's bed. On Dawson's, <laughs> Dawson's Creek. bed. All six of them. But you just see but how right. this type of scene just sort of yeah. filters down to something like Dawson's Creek. Yeah. Another Kevin Williamson mm-hmm. joint. And Dawson's Creek would never exist if it wasn't for Scream. Again. I mean, it wouldn't. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, I feel like I was really invested in the gay storyline of Dawson's Creek. Curse myth. Because you really okay. didn't really see stuff like that on, on just like the WB on Wednesdays. That was a huge storyline. It was a huge storyline. But back to Scream. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've already said it. This movie kind of set the stage for everything. It was definitely a turning point in horror and just like not just horror, but like teen movies, mm-hmm. I guess, but mostly horror. And I feel like every gay man in their 30s just sort of has this uh, 
knowledge about Scream. Yeah, that why it's is just that? like why is that? Why do, why we do just gay men fucking love this movie? I think it was before the internet. I think it was before streaming, cell phones. Like it was the one thing that we could. I have something in my eye. We have some <laughs> <laughs> that we could like cling to, and um, it was like pulp culture. It was yeah. Scream was pulp culture. Very empowering women in this movie. Sydney Gale, that you just look up to. Yeah, you love, you idolize. Was it was it a thing that you were kind of like more of a Sydney or like a Gale or even a Tatum mm-hmm. kind of a character or a Drew, like a a or one Casey. and a Casey. one and done a, a, a one and done scene gal. Yeah. So okay, so Scott, which, which were you? Oh, I, I have to go with Nev. You're more of a Sydney. I have to say, I'm more of You're a Sydney. Sydney. I can see that. Uh, Tim, who do you identify with more? Which of the of the gals, Gail? I guess Gail, because <laughs> <laughs> I can be nice and I'll, I can also slap you. What's your favorite? What's your favorite power bitch outfit that Courtney wears in this movie? Uh, she has the really, I like her final outfit. The red I like number the one. She yeah. Did you know that in Romy and Michelle, when Romy goes into one of or uh, when Michelle goes into one of her job interviews, she's wearing that suit. That jacket. That jacket. Is she? Mm-hmm. Oh my I want to say that. Uh, yeah, I, I totally know it. Yeah, there's a scene of Lisa Kudrow wearing that jacket. Did you know that, Pete? Uh, no, I didn't mm-hmm. know that. That's very interesting. Um, I really like. Is it in this movie where she wears that like chartreuse, that like neon green? Yes. Affair. Mm-hmm. It's her. It's her opening scene the when open. when Sydney's channel surfing and she. And every channel has that to me. The story on it. That to me. Aside from the final look, the burgundy jacket, I really love the chartreuse power suit. Mm-hmm. That like limey, neony green color. I love. Um, yeah, I feel like uh, I am definitely a Tatum for sure. Sure, because I've got the biggest boobs, and, and you love the talk shit too of the three of us. You you fully would be the character in a slasher movie that if you were to just happenstance just stumble onto the killer, you'd be like <laughs> talk shit to him. All right, you fucker. Like <laughs> Oh no. Oh no, Mr. Goatface. <laughs> Don't kill me. I want to be in the sequel. <laughs> you would be the sh- you would be yeah. the um who is it in Scary Movie in an American Pie? The Shannon Elizabeth. You would be the Shannon Elizabeth when he cuts off your head, you would still be bitching still at be him. Still be talking shit? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm definitely <laughs> definitely more of a Tatum. And me and Rose McGowan, I mean, she's got a mouth on her, for sure. Gets her in a lot of trouble. I can relate to that. Um Yeah. And none of and none of us are just like, well, I'm the I'm the stew. No. <laughs> Fuck that. Yeah. The gals are way more fun. For ladies. Yeah. <laughs> Although I was the fucking film weirdo that yes, worked at the local video store so i have a little bit of randy and, in me yes, in high school too. you were definitely you were definitely a randy <laughs> but i gotta stand by my girl neff though what we all were randys <laughs> yeah yeah that's true to an extent um yeah you've you've always stood by neff campbell and i mean this def i mean 
because of this. Like, yeah, I'm just at that age where that type of woman was very impressionable to me. Yes, as a young as a youngin. I want to talk. I want to talk very briefly about the script shading Tori Spelling. Yeah. <laughs> but then they kind of do her a solid by bringing her into the sequel. And Cor- and Tori Spelling throughout her entire career has always been a team player. I think she's very much in I'm going to go there with the joke before you can make fun of me almost. Yeah. yeah and I yeah. feel like she just sort of just saw an opportunity to be in a Scream movie and she took it. Yeah. Now, do you think that they were? I thought she was great. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she's good in it. Yeah, she was well. She was well used. The fact that they that they you know that this is kind of like a setup and a payoff. Those two scenes are really fun to watch side by side. The Nevin Skeet scene, and then the Tori and Luke scene. Because they do it shot for shot, right? Yeah, it's kind of fun to see both of those actors in Scream Two emulating both of them yeah too and just sort of these are like the sort of the direct-to-video versions of that movie especially because at that point especially because at that point you know the movie hadn't been out long enough like now where we can talk about nev campbell's you know whiplash neck situation and you know, all of these little ticks that we pick up on from multiple viewings. Tori and Luke Wilson mm-hmm. came in and they were like, watch this scene and do a shitty, you and know, like, TV okay, I got movie it. version yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. And they both got it and went in and it was funny. And not only that, Tori Spelling had to be like, okay, were you shading me in the first movie? Was it tongue in cheek? Like, okay, whatever. I'm here. I'm game. Yeah. Like, it's a paycheck. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I'm gonna get that cover of fucking Rolling Stone with you, all of the Scream Girls. You know, you know, Tori's not one to uh, turn down a paycheck. Was she on the cover of Rolling Stone? She was, I believe. Uh, it was the yeah. Women of Scream Two and I Tori, lo- and, I they, love that. and they included Tori with it. I don't know if Heather Graham was on it because Heather she Graham was on it. is. She was, oh, she, she was. was? Okay. okay, good. Because Heather was Graham, Graham is the. Yeah. Because Heather Graham is the Drew. Oh. Jada Pinkett in Scream 2, her death. I love that scene. Is she is giving me like silent movie actress. You know what she's you know what death scene she's giving me? She's giving me Shelley Long in Outrageous Fortune. Like this like <laughs> when they shoot her. Overacted death scene. I love it. Jada. Awesome. Awesome. You should play the Hall Room scene because this is like quintessential. Nev acting. Nevin Skeet? Nevin Skeet. All right, give it to me. She's not coming back. Your parents split up. This is not the same thing. Your mom left town. She's not lying in a coffin somewhere. Okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. It's it's a bad analogy. It's just that I want my girlfriend back. Sid. I am sorry if my traumatized life is an inconvenience to you and your perfect existence. What? Nobody said that. Say Stupid. Now, aside from the looks, did you get discount Johnny Depp from Skeet Ulrich, like, even at the time? That hair is so sorry. It's so <laughs> greasy. It looks like he works at a gas 
station. It's but, so oily. But kind of does it for me, though. <laughs> I think it's kind of hot. Oh. <laughs> but I, I, mean, just, I just find, like, Skeet Ulrich to be, like, hot in a very white trash sort of way, though. I see. I see the appeal. Don't get me wrong. Sure, yeah. Now, okay. And again, this is where we all turn into, like, the bitter old lady brigade. But, like, <laughs> whose dad does he play on Riverdale? I think he's uh, Jughead's the, dad. Mm. I think he's Jughead's dad on Riverdale. Because uh, Archie's dad is... I don't watch Riverdale. Archie's, I know, neither do because we. Because Archie's I, dad is... Archie's dad is Luke Perry. Luke Perry and R. Molly R. Ringwald. Machen uh, is also on it. Yes, from Twin Peaks. Beautiful Machen Mamek. Was she in any of these movies? Did she do any, like... Teeny kind of horror movies in the no. night. No, she didn't do any. I think of those. she was a little too cool for that. Oh, she did sleep. Oh, she did Sleepwalkers. Does sure. Sleepwalk. Yeah. And Sleepwalkers was oh a God, was a few years before this too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sleepwalkers was part of yeah. the like ninety two. Yeah, yeah. Early nineties like well, shit house. And I feel like if Scream would have come out and then they would have made Sleepwalkers, it would have been a very different movie. Oh, for sure. Um, I remember being a kid and loving as good as it gets with Helen Hunt. And there's a scene where you see Skeet's butt in it. And I remember pausing oh, yeah. it. Because the he, VHS? Because he thinks that he's nude modeling for Greg Kinnear. So you see him walk through his penthouse apartment and start taking off all of his clothes. And you see a little butt shot. Do you see... Do you children, millennials, do you see what we had to go through at the time just to see a little buns? We had to I watch... Know. We had to go see... That movie. We had to watch as good as it gets. You knew exactly where to rewind the tape. Yeah. To get Skeet's butt. Oh it's probably gosh. within 30 minutes of the movie. Really? Is that early on? Yep. I saw that movie in the theater. Oh, I you... do not remember it. Me too. And Jamie Kennedy <laughs> plays his the other He does, guy yeah. He's uh, Greg Kinnear. Oh. Do you think he did him a solid when he was going in for that interview? Hey, like, you should come with me. They're they're also... Right? They're also <laughs> casting the guys, the the... The homosexuals that beat up Greg oh Kinnear. Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> because like, because I want to say that Skeet plays like a rent boy or like yeah. a prostitute in it. That sounds right. That yeah. does sound right. I mean, if you see his buns and there was a whole like situation with the nude photography. Yeah. Uh, remember that movie as good as it gets. Same time as Scream. I remember seeing yeah. him at this kind of the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, that was a time. I I mean, there there's something to be said for like, you know, male nudity on VHS. We just knew exactly where. The, the I knew exactly stamp. when in the movie Go, you had to make it to pause it on William Fickner's butt. Oh my God, isn't that sad? But I get mm-hmm. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I said it in our Go episode, and I'll say it again. William Fickner, he was just like an old man who had like a dad ass, but like it's all we had. And we took it gratefully. I mean, that's not really a dad ass. Yeah. I mentioned that no, in the he had, episode. He has a very he, he has a very a firm very butt in that movie. Body. He was probably yeah, he had a good body. Yeah, he's probably <laughs> as as old as I am now. For for all I know, maybe younger. You know, no. I I feel like this movie no. just it has something for everybody, and I think this is one of those movies that just like. Yes, like we as gay people, like we love it and we latch onto it and it has Drew and it has, you know, uh Courtney Cox and Nev and, and, and Rose and, and these characters that we that we love and we latch onto and we quote and their costumes and their looks and everything. But like 
it's one of those movies that has like major crossover appeal. Like mm-hmm. everybody loves this movie. Like right? Like doesn't like everybody I, like I mentioned movie? about my parents? My stepdad, who I wouldn't have pegged him yeah. to like a slasher movie, yeah. went to this with my sister and just said he just loved it. Yeah, he just thought it was so clever. Yeah, I took my entire family. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, this is the type of movie that you just gather around with your family over Christmas. And you just and you just watch Scream. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, it, I feel like it's interesting that there's just you know so many of the movies that we do on this podcast are very specifically like female driven movies or gay coded movies or whatever. And maybe some straight guys will be like, "Yeah, I'm into that," but this is one that like every single person across the board is just like, "Oh fuck yeah, Scream!" Yeah, like that movie is amazing. When we went to the drive-in last week to see this, it was the most crowded I had seen that that drive-in. It was so full of people. It was really fun to see a socially distant crowd and then look in the a few rows down and just saw this couple, this guy and his girlfriend. She was dressed as Nancy, and yeah. he was the ghost face killer, and they were just doing a little photo op in, in front of the screen. That's great. I love That's it. So- Cool. And I it was that. and it was one of those things like oh I want to go get a picture with them but then I had to remind myself no <laughs> this is a socially distant gathering you should not do that <laughs> I know you know murdering teenagers is bringing people together yeah <laughs> there's just something about terror and <laughs> these horror movies that just kind of I don't know what it is why do these horror movies just kind of bring everybody together especially gay men too it, yeah yeah because it's modern day quips that all through the whole thing the little quips it's very written very well yeah yeah for sure for sure but yeah there's just something about horror in that brings an entire audience together in ways that other movies don't because so many of the comedies that we do are very much like, well, that's a girl movie or that's a gay movie or whatever that like my straight friends may be like, Oh, I don't, I don't know what that movie is, you know, but the horror movies, everybody knows. So yeah, there's something about that, that there's just a little something for everybody that no matter, you know, you're, like sexual orientation or whatever, you can kind of pick and choose what you like about it Mm -hmm. from this genre. You know? I agree. Yeah. We can choose to believe our fan theory that Billy and Stu were fucking on the side too. I mean, you know, whatever. Maybe, you know, maybe they were like jerking each other off or just jerking off with each other in the room. Whatever. They were, they were young men experimenting with their bodies. <laughs> I agree a hundred percent. Doesn't mean they were gay, you know. They were just uh they're just exploring. Just exploring, just learning what they like. And we're all on board with it. That's right. There's a whole there's a whole section of Pornhub that's dedicated to it. You know what I did not realize until we just watched something today, a little behind the scenes thing, was that I always just assumed that the mask was made for this movie. It had, it was prior existing. I never knew that. They paid. Uh, they paid for it. I mean, not much. That's crazy. I just I had never. I mean, granted, it's one of those things that like you weren't looking for it before the movie, so 
maybe I remember I, seeing it. Before maybe the movie. I had seen it and just didn't think about it. And then the movie came out, and I was just like, "Oh, that's a scream mask," you know. And I guess that the mask was a very hot uh, button issue with the Weinstein's because they did not like it. They made them shoot footage, test footage without the mask. And it just did not work. And with nothing, just like a black face under the I don't hood. know what they used as like an alternative, but it didn't end up working. And obviously, we have Wes Craven to thank for it. But that's another thing that this movie kind of begat was like, was a mask. You know, I mean, granted, we had Jason and we had Michael Myers. But after this, we had like Valentine, mm-hmm. you know, and like we like just this idea of this. Kind of a Halloween mask. The Eskimo parka, an urban legend. Oh, yes. I love it. <laughs> I believe that Kevin Williamson wrote just uh, in a ghost costume in the original script. And he just told Wes Craven, I don't know what you want to do. Do what you want. It just said ghost costume. Uh, they also said that the robes were going to be white because it was supposed to be a ghost. That's, has to be black. That's a big hell no. That would have been awful if the if the robes were white. It would look like a not politically correct film. Oh, oh yes. Mm-hmm. I did not even think yep. about that. <laughs> I didn't even go there, but yeah, that would be awful. <laughs> oh, man. So we should probably wrap this up because we have been talking about Scream for a long time. Anything we any I, last any last thoughts? Yeah, I mean, obviously we recommend people to watch this movie if they've never seen it. But I think this is one of those movies that, like, everybody on Earth has seen. Yeah. Right. There's reasons why this movie is still talked about almost 25 years later. And number five is in development. And when number five was, uh, it kind of made the news in the past few months that the cast was signing on for it, people lost their goddamn minds. Because this is that is how beloved this series is. Yeah. Tim, uh, if you could wrap up your thoughts on Scream in a couple of sentences, what what would you like to say about this movie? Um, I've loved it for 25 years. I highly recommend it for everyone, and it's quotable, <laughs> and it's it's just a really good movie. Agreed. I highly recommend it. So good. Agreed. Yeah. I think we both agree with you on that. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for coming on yeah. our show. Thank you for having me. It was good seeing you guys virtually. And um, Yes, indeed. It was good to run into you at the drive-in. Yeah, you're welcome. It was kind of an unexpected thing that just happened because we both happened to get tickets to it. And that showing, I think, sold out in maybe 20 minutes. Yeah. And we both managed to get them oh at the gosh. same exact time. Because I have, that was uh, awesome. I have yeah, them that was kind of forwarded to my phone off Instagram as soon as they drop. So, and I was... That's smart. And I was so excited to see the Wes Craven lineup to it. Yes, we love we love Wes Craven and everything that he's done for for horror. Tim, you have a podcast. Would you like to talk a little bit about your show? Sure. Um, it's called Happy Horror Time. I don't do it as often as you guys, but <laughs> now with the pandemic, I've kind of picked up and I've done three episodes. But total, I've done 15 in three years. But hopefully <laughs> you need to I'll, get on I'll that. do a lot more. You know, I need to get on it and be like you guys. 
Yeah, but uh, happy horror time. Awesome. Do you have like any social media accounts that we can follow your show on? Or uh, are you on iTunes? Where can we find your show? Um, I mean, you can find my show on iTunes, Spotify, and one other, but that's good. And um, <laughs> Google I'm, on, I'm the Tim Murdoch on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, this was, like I said, this was a really good time. Thank you for coming on the show. We would love to have you on another episode. Thank you, guys. Disappearing, disappearing from the top model frame. We'll see you soon, Tim. Thank you so much. This was great. Thank you, guys. Have fun. You're welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. And thank you so much for listening to another episode of Movies That Made Us Gay. We'll get to the sequels eventually. Yes. You'll definitely hear from two. I have a feeling we'll just probably just talk about elements of three as we're doing Scream 2. But you never know. We Yeah. Just like we talked about every single Scream movie in this episode. Scott, we have some great news about some fun new things happening for Movies That Made Us Gay. We are kind of setting up our patreon yes indeed. and it will be going live soon i don't know if we have a yes. set date but probably with the airing of this episode yeah. it will be very very soon indeed we have a patreon coming out uh we will be live very soon we've got a lot of fun things for our prospective patrons do you want to talk about some of the movie commentaries that we'll be doing how how can uh they listen to a Watch a movie with us through yeah. Patreon. Watch a movie with Pete and Scott. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. Gonna, it's going to be really cool. It's going to be fun. For for our patrons, depending on the uh, the tier, you'll see that when the Patreon is launched, uh, you will be able to get a bonus episode. Every month, we're going to release a bonus Movies That Made Us Gay episode, and the episode will be an alternate movie commentary. So There we'll might be even multiple per month, too. We're may, not even sure yeah. how many are going to come out I on think it. there'll probably be more than one per month, just to make it worth your buck. And I know that we're going to be going all out for it in the month of October, too. Yes. So what we're going to do is, uh, if you're part of this tier, you will have access to a uh, special movie or two or three where there'll be a commentary track and all you have to do is you can stream the movie wherever you can stream the movie if you own it if you're going to watch it on netflix hulu whatever press play on the movie press play on the podcast and we will provide a commentary track and you will be watching the movie with pete and scott so Mm -hmm. we will offer all of our commentary our sparkling conversation and our funny anecdotes about the movie as you're watching it in real time so that'll be part of one of our patreon tiers we're also going to offer a newsletter a preview of the lineup that we're doing for the month for the entire month this means that i really have to start planning my shit and like (laughs) doing a lineup early which is fine yes indeed we're gonna we're gonna have Mm -hmm. all this uh you know out for you for all of our patrons Everybody who would like to get in on this and get access to the special, you know, extra movie commentaries, get our our uh, newsletter where we've got some, you know, funny articles written by me and Scott, our our list of movies for the upcoming month, as well as tons of extra uh, Patreon content that's images, videos, you know, cool stuff that you can only see exclusive 
on Patreon that's coming your way very, very yeah. soon, and we're very excited about it. So anybody that would love to uh, be part of that, just uh, sit tight, and you'll see all about it on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter shortly. So uh, stay tuned for all of that fun information coming your way. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be really fun. But we would also love it if you would subscribe, rate, and review our podcast right now. Yes, and if you have not reviewed the podcast, go do it right now. Go give us a five-star review. Please It helps do. us out a lot. If you are on Apple Podcasts, hit those five stars, man. Just mash that star. That's all we need you to do. And also, write us a review. Mm-hmm. It's easy and free. All you got to do is write, I love the show. Four words. It helps us so much. We would love for you to do that. We love all of our listeners. We're growing every week, and we want to keep growing. So yeah. everybody out there, rate, review, subscribe, do everything you can, and continue to like all of our posts, all of that. We love you so much, listeners. Thank you for much. Thank you so much for listening to our show. We'll be back next week with another fresh episode. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for next week's episode? I'm ready. I bring it on. So ready for next week's. It's a episode. scream, baby. <laughs> it's gonna be a scream, baby. Well, thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.